Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Hannah May, and this is Flying Faith Talks, the official podcast of FlyingFaith.org, the main space for Christian creatives everywhere. Today's episode was officially recorded on February 3rd, 2022. This is episode number two, and the title of today's episode is Averting Over Preachiness. So what exactly is overpreachiness? It well, it kind of speaks for itself. It's basically any sort of story, whether it's from a book, a game, or a film, that is slowed down or hampered by an overly hammered gospel message. Now, the gospel message, of course, it is good. It changes lives, and we as Christians are tasked with spreading the word so that those who do not know Jesus will one day know him and be saved. So, of course, this is a very crucial piece to what we do as creative writers, game developers, musicians, you name it. All Christian creatives can relate to this one. But like I said, though, when there's too much of it or it's or, or, you know, sometimes it's even just hard to know when there's too much, you know. I mean, I even quite recently read a book that was written by a very good friend of mine. You know, she has uh, great ideas with her book. She has a great setup. But unfortunately, as I was reading her book, it, it just had a trouble with figuring out when was a good time to bring up the scriptures. And, or I shouldn't just say scriptures. I mean, really just any case where you have the, you know, the, you know, the classic Christian fiction dilemmas. You know, it's like you have this one person who's a cynic, like how can you trust God because he caused you to suffer? And then, of course, you have your main protagonist that, you know, obviously is going to... Um, project that God is good, you know, of course. But when it happens, every chapter or every page or every paragraph, it gets really heavy-handed. And there, I have to admit, there were times when, you know, it, not, not just her story, but I mean, like, there are others as well where I'm reading a book and I clearly appreciate the heart behind it. I can clearly get behind its messaging. Absolutely. I'm 100% on board. But I ended up being bored because I was constantly hearing sermons kind of coming out of the story and narrative. And I'm and there's a little part in the back of my head that's like thinking, OK, can we get back to the villain now or can we get back to the chase? Can we, uh, you know, move the plot? <laughs> it's like just move forward. But, you know, it, it, but it's a classic problem. And you know what? I can pinpoint the exact reason why. And it's something that it's something that I think plagues every Christian creative. It plagues all of us. And I think it's simply that we are afraid of disappointing God and disappointing our fellow believers. I mean, isn't that true in a sense? I mean, as people who love Jesus, we love God, we love our relationship with him and we want to please him. So and of course, we want to bring others to him. We feel like if I don't put this in enough times in my story, I'm failing him or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to as a good Christian. Um, and or maybe I mean, I even felt this way when I was writing my own book, Celestial, you know, which is coming out this year, by the way. Be excited. Um, yeah, it's just like when I'm trying to write the story with angels, I didn't I know this was kind of a bit of a challenge for me to try to write a story with angels in it that was not over preachy. I mean, that's like the ultimate catch 22, right? Um, but yet there was also a part of me that just was really afraid like my parents would be disappointed with it because I did something wrong with it or I didn't do enough 
a representation of God in the scriptures in there, or maybe some friends of mine would be disappointed in it for that reason. You know, those were the little fears that kind of niggle in the back of my head. And you know what? I, I don't think I'm, it's too far-fetched for me to think that there's probably more of you out there who also feel the same way. Like, if you really boiled it down, if you're particularly worried about presenting the gospel but not getting, like, banging the Bible over their head, in, so to speak, um, I'm pretty sure that if you boiled down your situation, you'd probably say the same thing, too. You just, you, you, you feel guilty if you don't do it or if you don't do it enough. And you know what? that's not the way God wanted it to be for us. You know, he didn't want there to be any point in our lives where we were ashamed to bring the gospel to someone or to feel guilty about how well we're, whether or not we can or should do it. I mean, that's not how he meant it to be, you know. But yet, you know, why do we feel guilty about it then? Well, we're well aware that, you know, we want to be sure that the person or the people who are reading your book likes your book, right? You want to have an audience. And nothing chases an audience away faster than a boring book or something that just doesn't grab them or it annoys them to death. Um, now, if they're annoyed by the simple fact that you have scriptural truth in there, I mean, there's really nothing much you can do about that. However, there are plenty of ways and biblically founded ways that we can measure and find that balance where your faith is evident, but yet it's not chasing them away. Purposely. I mean, even the believers, because let's admit it, believers, and you know, just like what I was just admitting, we don't really enjoy an over preachy book either, or an over preachy movie. You know, it, it, it's true. <laughs> just to be honest here, we can't just stand around saying that we don't get annoyed by that. We do. <laughs> so, how do we find the solution to this? Well, as a Christian, I say the answer is very simple go to the scriptures. And you know what? That's what we're going to do today, because there's a section in the Bible that kind of will help us kickstart into the main crux of this episode. So this particular passage was written by Paul. Actually, it was a, one of his letters to the Corinthian church. And this is 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I'm going to read from verse 14. Uh, well, at least I'm starting there anyway. So this is from verse 14 to verse 17. And it reads, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God. In the sight of God we speak in Christ." Now, two words I think that are particularly going to be important to us right now is the words fragrance and peddler. Now, why would I choose those words? Well, first of all, think about it real quick. Paul is describing our ministry. You know, we're spreading the knowledge of Christ everywhere as though we were a fragrance. Now, why, why the word fragrance? Well, think about it. Of all the senses of the human body, which one is the hardest to ignore? Your smell. I mean, you can purposely, like, ignore what you see, and you can purposely ignore what you hear, but it's really, really difficult to ignore what you're smelling. I mean, if you smell a pasta dish, you don't have to see it, but you're drawn to it because it smells delicious. And you, you can hear a dump truck, but, you know, if you smell the dump truck, it's like, you don't want to be anywhere near that dump truck. <laughs> it's like, so it's really, really difficult to ignore your sense of smell. And I'm pretty sure that it's one of the least easily lost senses of the human body. I mean, you hear people more commonly going blind or going deaf. You don't hear people going smellless. 
smell smell less i i don't know how you'd say it i mean i'm sure there's a latin word somewhere i mean they keep inventing new words every day now how about the word peddler well let's read that verse closely again it says who is sufficient for these things you know sharing this fragrance of christ for we are not like so many peddlers of god's word but as men of sincerity now what's a peddler a peddler is someone who is trying to sell something you know they, they just pedal and pedal and pedal they're like buy my product buy my product buy my product so they can catch their customers well paul is saying here we are not like so many peddlers of god's word and you know what that's what over preachiness is it's going into someone's face and saying buy my faith buy my faith you need my faith take my faith it even kind of reminds me of all those annoying car insurance ads that keep showing up on my cell phone. I'm serious. Even to this day, every once in a while, I'm getting a phone call from somebody saying, the insurance on your car is about to expire, so you need to renew your insurance. And then I have to tell them for the one millionth time, I do not have a car. I do not have insurance. Go away. Get me off your roll, please. <laughs> because nobody likes being manipulated. Nobody likes being like badgered and doing something. There's just a lack of sincerity in there. And that is precisely why Paul is encouraging the church of Corinthia, don't treat the gospel like something you're peddling. You need to live like it's sincere. So how does that translate to us as writers who are creating a story? Well, compare your book to your house. I mean, when you furnish your house, it's your self-expression, not just for your own sake, but also for your guests, whoever comes into your house. Well, that's what books and stories kind of are, right? You know, it's your way of expressing yourself. You're writing the story that you really want to write. But if you have guests, a.k.a. your readers or your viewers or whatever it is, and they're not comfortable in there because you're spending your whole time trying to sell them something, are they going to want to go back? Did you ever bother to consider the things they like or what do they enjoy? And, you know, you just be trying to be a good host. And that's kind of what you are as an author to your reader you want to be a good host with your book. Yes, write the story that you really want to write. I mean, a passionless book is a pretty dead book as far as I'm concerned. But at the same time, you need to do it with a sense of hospitality because genuine hospitality proves sincerity. It should be that because you love God first, you present his message. And because you love them second, you make them comfortable and you love yourself last. You know, that's exactly what the two greatest commandments are. The first being love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second being love your neighbor as yourself. So to avert over preachiness is to dial back the peddling part, you know, the verbal by my faith and trade it with a genuine, fragrant sincerity that expresses the gospel truth and God's character, even when it's not outright said. So how do we put this concept into practice? How do we allow our book to become a fragrance of the knowledge of Christ and not just a peddler of the faith? Well, the Bible itself actually already has a literary example built in-house that we can follow, and it's the book of Esther. Tell me this. Did you ever realize that in all 66 books, not once is God's name mentioned at all in the book of Esther. I mean, nothing. 
uh, you're used to reading the rest of the scriptures and seeing how the Lord is brought up. He's praised openly. He is talked about openly. He even presents himself openly. But if you read the book of Esther on its own, like pretend that you never read any other part of the Bible, but you just read book of Esther on its own. It on the surface just looks like a young lady, a Jewish girl who becomes queen and saves her people, the Jews. You know, it, it, that's what it looks like on a surface level. And yet what makes it so profound and makes it fit perfectly in the scriptures is the fact that God's presence is still felt, even when he's not spoken about. I mean, when Mordecai, when her cousin, when he writes to her about the plight of the Jews and Haman's plot to kill them and wipe them out, and he says to her, you know, maybe you were made to be queen for such a time as this. Take notice that even after he said that, he said to her, but know this, that if you do not go before the king and risk your life to save your people, help for the Jews and would come from elsewhere. Now, why would Mordecai say that? It's because of the innate knowledge and understanding that he had in his heart that the Lord would not allow the Jews to be eradicated because he had faith in God's prophecy and that he, the Messiah was going to come through the Jewish line, through the people of Israel, and this Messiah would, of course, in turn, save the world, including Israel. So because Mordecai had that innate knowledge, he brings it up. And then throughout the whole book, you're seeing how every event was laid out perfectly, almost too perfectly, too coincidentally for things to go as smoothly as they do without some greater presence directing it all. I mean, it's just impossible. And it all presents hallmarks iconic hallmarks of the kind of character that the biblical God has. So it's easy to see how the biblical God applies to this story. So the book of Esther is literally giving off the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. Um, just as Paul kind of described that we need to give off the fragrance of Christ in our lives, both when we're speaking it and when we're not speaking it. And in turn, it's an excellent method for all Christian creatives out there who are trying to not feel like they have to hammer it in so hard. It's all a matter of not putting God and the gospel on the surface level. It's all about making God, the gospel, and the Christian faith the very bedrock, the centerpiece upon which the rest of the story sits. Because just like the Bible says, out of the heart the mouth speaks, if God's word is the beating heart of your story, all the gospel, God's character, the truths of the Christian faith, it's naturally and organically going to seep through the woodwork of your story rather than being dumped on at the last second like as it was an afterthought. Like, oh yeah, I need to put the gospel in here. So here. <laughs> um, and I think an excellent, excellent sample of this kind of biblically founded method to overcoming preachiness is C.S. Lewis's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Now, this is a book that is very clearly gospel-centered. It's very much about the Christian faith, you know, the story of salvation and Christ's sacrifice and how it's a gift of grace. And yet this is a book that is much beloved by both Christians and non-Christians alike. Now, why is that? It's because C.S. Lewis made the gospel story the starting point in his book-making process. As a result, Everybody, including non-Christians, enjoy the surface-level stuff, you know, the mythological creatures and the magic and all that, and the battles. And yet at the same time, and they may not realize it at the moment, but they are literally absorbing a biblical message. They're being taught about the Christian faith without even realizing it. 
as a result, there's a possibility that later on when they do have an opportunity to become saved, their minds have already been innately introduced to the concept of Christian faith and the concept of God's grace thanks to a fiction story they read that was built on it. It's a very subtle, entertaining, yet effective teaching method. Now, should you choose to use this method, I like to call it the Esther method to averting over-preachiness, of course, there's no guarantees that the person who reads your book is going to really understand that this came from Scripture or this is built on the Christian faith. They may not get that. But you know what? Even Paul said that we are a fragrance to others, some from death to life and others from death to death. So again, we're not guaranteed that. And that is a burden we need to take off ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Um, The Lord never said it was our job to convert people. That was not our job. Hence why we have over-preachiness, because we're afraid that we're failing if we're not changing everyone into Christians. No, only God himself has the power to change a heart from death to life. The role he's given us, Christian creatives, is just to present his message, to speak the truth of his word. And whether or not someone accepts it isn't our responsibility. Our God-given responsibility, Christian creatives, is not to badger and peddle with God's word, but to represent it and speak it in every day, in every way, to everyone in such a way that is pleasing, peaceful, wise, and most importantly, sincere. And if Christian faith is the foundation of your story and it's written in such a way as to be hospitable and enjoyable to your reader, guess what? You've got nothing to be guilty about. You're doing exactly as Christ would have you do. No hand-holding or gospel hammering required. Just trust in the Holy Spirit to teach you exactly when and where your book should say the message or when not to say anything at all. Just write your book with a love and sincerity for Christ and for others. Those are the hallmarks of the Christian faith. And I guarantee your readers will spill that fragrance whether they intended to or not. Thanks again for joining me here on Flying Faith Talks. And hey, if you really like this podcast and you'd like to learn more about me or the website, subscribe to flyingfaith.org and follow Flying Faith on Facebook, MeWe, Instagram, and Pinterest. And hey, subscribers receive exclusive content like updates on the website, updates on my book, sneak peeks, chances for prizes, and all my subscribers receive a 25% discount on my Flying Faith developmental editing service. Basically, it's a service where I not only help you hone your craft with your book, but also help you test its spiritual integrity. Anyway, that's all for today. Thanks, guys, and come back soon.